So, uh, welcome to the first episode of a work in progress name. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a work in progress, we are just deciding what we do differently. For the conversation? No. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, so, Dhruv Khurana, founder of Almost Gods. Uh, hello. Hello. Welcome to, welcome to the space and welcome to this conversation. Thank you. Um, just wanted to, firstly, I don't think a lot of people know about you, like people know about your brand for sure, but we just wanted to get to know you a little more, because we've known each other for six, seven, eight months, ever since we met in like March. Sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, I wow. think, yeah, it's... Yeah, a <laughs> lot's happened. <laughs> six months of just absolute madness, and, yeah. then, and then this opened up, so mm -hmm. we just, today we just want to get to know you a little bit more. Um, your personal experience, your journey, uh, and also talk us through like how you know you built this, how like what are what is the way forward, what are you doing right now, and how how are things shaping up in a in a world that is severely restricted mobility. Mm -hmm. So just to, like it's just going to be a jumble of all of that. Hundred percent. I'll just jump right into it. Hundred percent. Um, I was just asking you, how do we meet? How do we meet? Like, I, I honestly, I thought the first time we met is when you came here that morning and you were like, oh, this space looks sick. But like, No, no, I, either I DM'd you or DM, you DM'd me, mm -hmm. and then we grabbed a drink, I think, within the next day oh, or two. Oh, right, right, right. I had summer ups. Yeah, now I remember. Yeah. Now I remember. And then yeah. it and just then, fucking snowballed. Yeah, yeah, we spoke about everything. Like, yeah. we spoke about, like, college and yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. All the common friends. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then we realized how small Delhi is and everyone knows everyone. Yeah. That's the moment we realized how small Delhi is. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it finally hit us. <laughs> no, it's been a while back, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, we met with someone else and then I think from there on, we just like, I told you about FTC and what we were building and then when you came here is when we actually spoke. And I think you met Avni like literally last month. Like, yes, yeah. thank you for finally acknowledging it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, I... Because she told me that and I was like, right? are you sure? See? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, it was ridiculous because Avni and me had WhatsApp each other. We were in multiple WhatsApp groups. We, <laughs> we had FaceTime, we had Skype, we had yeah. Google Hangout, but we never met. Yeah, no, I know. And then finally setting up the space, got to me. And not last month. It's been what, 10 days? Yeah, well... Today is the 10th, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's been exactly, like we launched 30th, so yeah. it's been 11 days. Damn. So yeah, we like, um, we want to know lo more about you as a person before you starting this brand, right? Like, so tell me about where did you get your first entry into the fashion world for you? Sure. Um, like, where did that start for you and how exactly did did that change your direction in terms of where you wanted to go? Mm -hmm. And was this always planned or did this just happen? Sure. Um, so, to like dive into like the Dhruv. The Dhruv. The, the making of the Dhruv Quran. Yeah. yeah. Making of the Dhruv. Uh, so, by the time I got, I went to university in Boston. I was at Tufts. Uh, and by the time I got to university, I had already started two businesses. So for me, business was always the place that I knew I wanted to be. It was something I deeply cared about. Mm -hmm. uh, it was nothing related to this world. I was, uh, my first business I started in the 11th grade, I was buying and selling agricultural grains. Interesting. Yeah, so... Just uh, like trading? Trading. Uh, so in the 11th grade, I got picked up for this program with Columbia University. 
and his professor mentored me and we ended up like buying red kidney beans from Uzbekistan, bringing them to Nabi Mumbai, selling them here, moving pineapples from here to Thailand, like it, be it became a little fun operation. Um, my other organization was a little something to do with China, <laughs> which is a little taboo when all the notes right No, 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 not at all. Please, what, what was the other organization about? <laughs> it's a little nerdy. So I used to play chess as a child. I was Delhi, like a Delhi state player. Nice. Yeah. Um, so you're smart. You can play chess. <laughs> <laughs> but you're smart. Would you yeah. say you're smart? Women might say I'm smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So you were a chess player. I was a chess player. Um, and so I started something which made very little sense in retrospect. Mm -hmm. It was called ICCCE, which was the Indochina Chess and Cultural Exchange. Interesting. Yeah. Um, it was sort of a dual combination of a model UN program running alongside right. a chess mm -hmm. program. And uh, it was very cool because my, what was it, 2011, 2012, so I was flying between Beijing and Delhi. I was missing a lot of school. <laughs> and I was staying in an NFC. What, what, school, what school did you? Freedom. Oh, which one? Mall City. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were, you were never there? I was never there and I had constant sick leaves. I had doctor's notes perpetually. Um, and I was, it was very cool because as a kid, you were very intimidated by the world. <coughs> I was flying to embassies, I was meeting ambassadors. I wrote my common app essay on how red rooms work. Which, I, like, because communist rooms, like if you go to a Chinese embassy, it's yeah. all red and it's mm -hmm. frighteningly red. And I think somewhere that might have seeped in because... Yeah, yeah no, I uh, definitely see that. Yeah. <laughs> that fucking wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. how much you fought that wall? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you're a, are you a communist? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Got it, got it. Um, so yeah, then you, you're flying in and out and then... I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal. <laughs> That's what I am. Um, so right. I was doing that in 11th grade and I went to college and um, I was a double major in international relations and economics. Mm -hmm. um, didn't really have any understanding of fashion at the time. But I loved art. My grandmom's an artist and an architect. So I've always grown up in that world. Right. And I think going to America gave me the chance to actually walk into museums, interact with, you know, the big guys. You, you see a Picasso for the first time, you see a Warhol, you see all the things that excites right. you. And the more time I spent in there, I started finding conceptual art. Um, do you know? I'll, I can explain what conceptual Please. art is really quickly. Uh, it's art essentially where you say the beauty of the object or the depth of the object lies in the idea of it more so than what the object is itself. Right. So references of that would be someone like Marshall Duchamp who put a urinal in the museum. <laughs> and it's the idea of putting a urinal in the museum right. which is so... No, no, I get that. Yeah, I, I get it. That's interesting. Um, there's, I think um, just statements, right? Like they're, they're yes. just meant to be a... It's just meant to be a conversation. It's, it's a conversation. It's a, it changes thoughts because you say that Anything can be art, but everything isn't art. Right. Right? Uh, and to me, that idea is quintessential. Like, that idea kind of shaped me because it changed how I would look at things and look at interactions. So simple things like meeting a person or how someone would even dress themselves. Like, those kind of things took more right. value because it became not of the kapla care, but what it became the expression. Yeah, yeah. Expression, what the idea is, what the thought is, what you're trying to indicate, what you're trying to start as a conversation. I get that. Um, so I love the word of conceptual art, but then again, college school students, we can't really buy art, especially in America, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, 
youngest artists is at astronomical prices. Like, but you can experience it. You can experience it. And that's, that's the good part. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, I think my inroad sort of came at the time where I, coincidentally, and I don't know how this happened exactly, but I started falling in love with the world of sneakers. Mm-hmm. And sneakers to me became my, like, almost Expression, yeah, yeah. It became my heart. Um, it became this, I, I, I bought a sneaker rack. Not this big, like, <laughs> pretty big still. Um, and uh, it started with my one pair, these gaudy red Adidas superstars with suede that I've... It's always the red. Oh, it's, I don't know why. Yeah, you're right, now that you mentioned, like, this, is, this is like my psychology. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have something for you. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't know where this red obsession started, but that, that color is... Wildly, wildly powerful, and it's, it's cropped mm. up in my life in a lot of important moments. But I mean, that's a different thing. Um, yeah. So I started collecting sneakers and grew from one pair to eventually 42. <laughs> We've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was flying across the country for them, I was trading in them, I was sleeping on outside Supreme and new, like right. Nike. I flew Nike to Chicago to Nike Lab to like pick up these SFAF ones in yeah. like dub camo. I mean, it became the whole. I buy two pairs, sell one pair, which would pay for my food and my meal and right. my flight. It got ridiculous. Um, and then the more time I spent with sneakers, I realized that like it's not just sneakers, but again, it was that same idea of like what cultural thought it can influence, right. what it means. Because at the end, it's just rubber and leather and suede exactly. or whatever it is. But it just. Like at the end of the day, what is art? Like you put paints, you don't call that art, but then then you do you have your way with them, and then it's art, right? Exactly. So, so it's the same with anything today. I think you imbue value on them. Right. I think that's the beauty of being a human because we've gone past the stage where you need the basic necessities. Basic necessities: water exists, clothes exist, food exists. Every basic business is sorted. Yeah, yeah, we are, and we're privileged that we're, way. Like, we are, very sure. privileged that way to sit here and you know be able to think about 100%. things beyond just our basics. True, um, and generationally, I would say we're privileged as well beyond mm-hmm. our like mm-hmm. birth uh, position. Generationally, we've come at a time where human thought has now reached almost this denotive culture where it's no longer the object itself, but it's what the object signifies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it causes a lot of problems, but also it causes a lot of happiness and interesting thought and it allows us, I think, as a species to develop into a new realm of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so regardless, to me, sneakers became this idea that, you know, you could put something out and people would talk. Like, I could go to a party and sit in the corner and talk to someone about the sneakers for the whole party, where it came from, what the idea was, but beyond that, it became like this weird mutual bonding point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... I don't think I ever saw myself as a creative, but I always saw myself as somewhat of an introvert, extrovert. Like, I, I love meeting people and I love going out, but there are those moments where, like, you just, you don't want to do that, right? right. Um, and so it became this thing of, like, we're in a party, we're in a corner, and you have the time of your life because it's this thing that you're bonding about mm-hmm. intensely. Mm-hmm. And then you start going deeper into it. So it starts with an AF1 and you go into someone like Ray Kawakubo. Yeah, yeah. And you start saying, oh shit, Ray Kawakubo did this design in 84. And how it like creates this impact, creates right. these ripples throughout time. It's just the story, right? Like it's just the you, story. You learning more about something. A product is a product, but you learning more about all the thought process that went behind it. Uh, yeah, and absolutely. Then, and then seeing that translate into the life. Like, 
I, I can't forget the Comme des Garçons Nike Dunk, which was the one with the clear panels. Yeah. Across, like, just clear panels. And yeah. It's so simplistic if you think about it, but it just, it made the, the entire shoe just like a custom piece at any point in time. You just, could just wear a different pair of socks and it would be a new piece. See, that's the thing. It's just, yeah. you can appreciate it for the engineering and the thought of that. Right. But you can also appreciate it for everything she's done in her career that led to something yeah, like yeah, that. For sure. And at some point you realize that physics is important, chemistry is important, you know, gets us to the moon, medicines, you know, take care of us. <laughs> but stories inspire us. And right. stories is, it's the backbone on what all of us have grown. Agreed. So it's, it gives you importance to understand that the world of art is important because not only is it cathartic and it's healing to people because you can see stories of others mm-hmm. in things, there's almost a, like a universality to like even personal stories because uh, one of my favorite actors, Ethan Hawke, he, he has this line, he goes, uh, I've played sinners and I've played saints, I've played police and I've played thieves. Uh, and I realized while embracing these roles that the human experience isn't that different. Right. And uh, I love that idea because yes, we all think we're doing such different things, but the emotional we're feel, the same, yeah, yeah. we're on the same journey. Yeah. I get that. I, in fact, like, funnily enough, what you reminded me of was, um, I read this somewhere, which is, when we, when we were born, right, like when we were children, yeah. we used to be told stories, right? Like yeah. for us, that we were told stories to go to bed, we yeah. were told stories to learn about things, everything was just story, right? Like yeah. you, you were told about uh, Snow White and all of the other, like, also like so many other Indian stories mm. and Akbar and all of that stuff. But for us, today, that's yeah. still the best form of learning. And that still ignites nostalgia, right? In yeah. your brain. 100%. Subconsciously, when you're being told a good story, mm. you're just always like, I feel comfortable today. That's and, how culture And I think that, that feeling is what we're trying to kind of, all of us are trying to kind of keep reimbibing. Because childhood is the most unfettered, you know, uh, like it's the most, you don't think about anything but just that day and the next hour and what you're going to be doing. True. Uh, and when you grow up, like, you keep adding all of these layers of complexity in the thinking. And, yeah. Like, uh, it just gets a little more muddled. But it's honest. Yeah. It's it's so honest and it's it's how cultures have grown forever. Right. Um, whether you talk about us 500,000 years ago on the precipice of, like, becoming from bonobos to mm-hmm. humans, mm-hmm. we've always shifted things through this idea of culture. There's almost like a global cultural like storytelling that's happened for millennia that we haven't realized, you know? The like the idea of a great flood. It comes through with Christianity with like Noah's Ark, but it's also prevalent in Hindu culture. It's prevalent in South America, so clearly something happened which we passed on through the story. Okay. I, I think there's there's just um, I think there's just so many interconnecting points yeah. across history which have because we don't have records, we haven't been able to put the dots together. But now, going forward, I think that we, because we're so connected in the world, yeah. I think we're seeing all of these like align today, True. Where, where thought, pro- like today we're, we're not living in India or we're not living in the States, we're living in the world. Yeah. And the world is primarily online. 100%. So, flow of information is at the same, at the same pace at any point in time. 100%. If you're, if you're connected. Yeah. So I definitely feel there's that, that monumental shift has happened in the last like 15 years mm-hmm. uh, in which to be able to exchange ideas or even like transact 
just became very, very, very simple across boundaries, across borders. Yeah. And and I think that's what's led to a lot of us starting out and doing what we're doing because at the end of the day, we like we see what's happening here in India, but we also see what's happening abroad. Hundred percent. And in all of these other countries, and all of those influences kind of seep in. Yeah. Is when we travel, whenever we go, whatever we do. So I think there's there's a lot to kind of. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I uh, I heard this article. Uh, so yeah, I heard this uh, podcast yesterday, yeah. and uh, the question was, what is intelligence? And so someone said intelligence is memory, and then this other dude countered it by saying that intelligence is memory, it's it's context and it's an understanding of a wealth of experiences. Right. If my wealth of experience is the same as yours, neither of us are very intelligent. But if I've gathered a well, like I've experienced things that are so wildly, drastically different. If I've done things that you haven't done necessarily, and you've done things that I haven't done, right. you are intelligent and I am intelligent because. That value is different. So what you're saying, like yeah. the internet allows for that. Mm-hmm. We couldn't have ended up in the states. Like we wouldn't have ended up in the states if the internet didn't exist. Agreed. I, right? th- I think like the percentage of people going before email became widely accessible was just like people. There was, and, and also like knowledge, right? Yeah. If you were traveling, you knew about. It. True. Um, our parents, I don't think they even knew there was something called you know Harvard or. I, when they when they were Harvard to pata tha Harvard to Hamishan tha yeah but like the thought of going abroad for college yeah the accessibility of it the whole idea of it I think we were born in a generation that was a lot more comfortable with that for sure um, as compared to maybe our parents or I'm not saying people didn't go abroad of course they did back then as well but um, just the accessibility of it changed over a period of time yeah yeah so um, I still don't answer your question about fashion <laughs> yeah no please. That's that's I I so yeah sorry no in all of this just like getting obsessed with this to me it became this cultural idea of like is dunya me mujhe kuch karna hai like I want to create cultural influence I want to like influence that conversation because um, it might be egotistical almost but I think it's an artist role to be egotistical a little bit to be like I have something to add to this conversation that can create change or help people mm-hmm. uh, and at the same time for me it was very interesting because. I didn't know like f of fashion. When I'd go for dates, my friends would dress me up. You know, <laughs> uh, it it was it was very interesting. And I dated this girl who would like take me to Lazara and be like, "This is how you wear clothes. This is how you pair colors." So I'm very grateful to her. Thank you, Aliana. <laughs> um, but she's a very good friend now, so it's fine. I can say that. Yeah. Uh, so. I, I get it. <laughs> yeah. um so beyond that i think post graduating i knew mujhe is duniya mein kuch karna hai i really wanted to do something experiential i want something that involves storytelling something that can create almost a narrative ripple globally as you said almost oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so eventually stumbled onto learning how to cut patterns learned fashion started deeply understanding designers started understanding from i think you the base up we start from even as thing like a chanel or an hermes to you make your way up to mason marjala and raf simmons and you get to streetwear like these are so many layers to this world uh, so you start appreciating that in india also like you see a lot of indian designers doing their own thing like yeah, sachi there's so many there's so many the, the way they the way they display like indian fashion is sure. is completely different totally from what different. we see uh, and and i think that's like having a 
I, I see that in, in your influences in yeah. some way, shape, or form, for sure. 100%. Like the way some of the imagery is done, the way some of the, you know, even the designs, like some of the weaves, some of the fabrics. Yeah. I see that influence for sure. My granddad's an army general. Like, that's the world I've grown up in. If I wasn't oh, up at 6 a.m., he'd close my nostrils and wake me up. So I'd wake up gasping for air. Yeah. So with him, it's, I mean, I think there's a natural love for India that's there, but it's amplified because there's a pride in India. Yeah. Um, I, I, a lot of people, it's kind of become this thing, especially with our generation, to be like, oh, I don't like Delhi, and Delhi's this and Delhi's that. And yes, we have awful pollution outside. Mm-hmm. But man, like our country is roaring, you know, there's so much stuff happening here. There's so many things which still need to come out, right? Like there's... Have to be explored in this new context. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think people don't realize that there's there's so much more to, like so many more people who have to be introduced to what we're doing here. Yeah. So, I mean... Thank you. For the coffee. For the coffee. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so, coffee. so uh, <laughs> soon, soon, we're, we're getting it here soon. But yeah, I, I think taking that idea of India and mashing it with ideas is where I see also almost what's coming from. And yeah. I, I, I love that. I do. Thank you. Um, cool. I think we know how you got here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dhruv Khur, because almost, right? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so like, why the name almost gods? Did, like, that, did, that, did that joke take you uh, six, five, <laughs> six seconds to come up with? <laughs> no, I just, I did it for the culture. Uh. But uh, like, why the name almost gods? Um, it's a and how the name almost gods? Like, you know what, like, I mean, where, where does, where does the process of naming start for you and how does it end at say almost gods? Yeah, um, I think it's a very long-winded process that ended up with that name. So whenever someone asks me that question, I find it a very difficult thing to answer because I think so many things happened that led to that name. Right. Um, my, I took a class on maximalist poetry in college. Right. I wrote my thesis on Kanye West and Afro-American futurity. I mean, I was a proper liberal arts student, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you were at Tufts. I was at Tufts, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, I did that, then come back from America and I'm hit with this almost idea of what it means to be Indian versus what it means to be this American and these identities clashing. And also (laughs) mix that in with, I was, I mean, it was a fad in 2015, 2016 that everyone was kind of on this like post-modernistic literature bent. Mm I was reading very heavy, like Camus. I was reading Heidegger. I was, um, I had these incredible Japanese professors who had turned me onto the most depressing Japanese philosophy on the planet. Um, yeah, he was my professor, so ugh, ridiculous stuff. Um, so the more you get into that world, it, I think almost God's, I would say, rather than me coming onto it, we sort of found it because. Almost gods can be looked at as a as a postmodernistic idea to be like, you know, the the playing field has sort of leveled out. God and humans are now currently existing at the same level. We're having the same conversations. Right. Uh, you can look at it as a, almost a neoplatonist idea of a conversation of what it means to be God. I'm sorry, this is my liberal artsy words coming out, but that's how I thought about it. Like the conversation of an ascension to the status of God. Mm-hmm. 
that was important um, and also it was a celebration to be that you know humans we've look at the amount we've done the stupidest way I can frame this and I know how stupid this is is dinosaurs were here for fucking 60 million years they didn't go to the moon <laughs> you know like we've really whether it's been through the consumption of psilocybin that's shaped our brains through the years or uh, almost like the civilizational movement that's happened that's led to like a cultural ingrowth and in our development of intelligence mm -hmm. we've done so much so yes it's easy to say that humans have screwed up the planet and humans have done this but man we've done some incredible things mm -hmm. you know there are we sit today on the shoulders of giants like that's our culture today rests on people who have shaped everything we see around us mm -hmm. so to me it's I want almost gods and it became this idea that it, I wanted to create a communion of these people coming together, of people who are game changers, who aren't just talking about who are doing that, who are creating that change. And, uh, yeah, I... So, it, uh, we, they're almost gods, like people Correct. who are almost gods, so they are almost... Absolutely, you're yeah. always striving to an I, ideal. I get that idea. Right? <coughs> so, it, it's, it's humbling, but it's almost, it's... You're pushing always. It's also like, it's also a statement. I it is a statement. Like, you know, because uh, you're calling yourself almost the God. Uh, which is, it is a statement for sure. 100%. And done it back. So that's, so that's how. And, and when you stumbled on it, you were just like, this is it. Or did you have other name ideas as well? Uh, I remember when we did it, we yeah. like 200 names. You did? Uh, like a fucking Excel. Because, like, you know, uh, copyright and all of that shit. Yeah. So... Yeah, like for you it was just like, it's almost God, there's nothing else? I, no, so we, we definitely, like I went through the list, uh, I think the name probably came before the brand or the idea that mm -hmm. we even want a brand, the name came first, and as soon as I stumbled upon the name, I have this habit that I book domains as soon as I find a cool name, so uh, I saw the domain was available, almost I saw the company God. registration was available obviously, because yeah. who else owns a company called Almost Gods, and um, yeah, booked it immediately, didn't know what it was, and it took shape, you know. It started with this ridiculous idea of uh, an experience based around foods and the senses and celebrating that. Mm -hmm. But it grew to this thing of being like, we can be so much more than that. You can encapsulate those ideas and those identities within a larger platform, larger umbrella right. of almost gods. So when, when, when did you start? What, what year was this? So this was 2018. March we launched May whenever homegrown was homegrown in uh, Delhi homegrown in Delhi yeah, yeah. Edgy Street Edgy like, Street yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that we weren't here for it uh, you were in college yeah I was still I, I was I was about to graduate you were about to graduate yeah so I, I graduated in April yeah, yeah. Um, so so you but so that was when you officially like put it out to the world but when, when did the work start on because I know it takes... Oh, it took forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and especially from a kid who... So I was a double major in international relations and economics with a minor in entrepreneurship and arts. Mm -hmm. There's no word fashion coming into this mix. So I had to learn fashion, which took the longest time. And I think maybe three days after we had the name, we had the first t-shirt out. And it was awful. I, I, I keep it with me and I'll always keep it with me for nostalgia's sake. Mm. But it's... Oh, maybe I'll release it in like a collection like 20 years from now. It's like a <laughs> one of one. <laughs> the legacy piece. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I'd love to do that. Retrospective. At the MoMA. Ooh, that's where we're aiming, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So, um, yeah, three days later we had the first piece. 
and I said this looks absolutely awful I don't want to wear it <laughs> no way and you said that yeah man it was it was okay there was nothing special about it it was some embroidery it was it, was this the logo no no uh, and the logo took us a very long time to stumble onto the hands again it it it's, I know it's been two years but so much has happened in two years that it almost feels like I don't know how we stumbled onto the logo and how it became red mm-hmm. and why the red kept seeping into it mm-hmm. but that red was so powerful so uh, red found its way in and I think our first piece that we actually really designed for Almost Gods was the Garden of Earthly Desires jacket right. I learned how to knit the cards and so that was I sat with the jacquard designer we made that net we right. got it produced and it was meant to be nostalgic, it was meant to be modern. Uh, and that piece took us six months to make, just that. And right. once we had that, then the yellow hoodie took another three months. Uh, this... Yeah, because like, when you go into the actual making of it, it's just like everything, every single part of it needs to be at the level that you want it to be. Absolutely. So I, I get that. I get that whole... Cause I, I, so this is something that everyone, like all of us face when we're creating things. Yeah. It's just like, you want it to be just right. 100%. And even like 1% left or right just makes us feel like something incomplete. So did you start the brand alone? Or uh, or was it like, was it with uh, you know, a group of people, a partner or yeah. how exactly? Like? So um, it was me and my best friend from the States. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, because, as you said, the brand isn't just existing in India, it's meant to exist in both US right. and India, and then globally, eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, his background from, was from the States, was from the art world. Mm-hmm. So, what I was doing in 2017 was I had my own retail brand that I was managing based out of Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was managing a virtual reality art gallery in Chicago. Very interesting space. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of confluence and we found that world together and I mean to me Kobe is my friend who helped me build this and started with me. Now he's, uh, he's unfortunately been dealing with other stuff so he's currently not in the brand anymore mm-hmm. but that being said I think so Kobe holds a permanent you know, place as on the board of Almost Gods right. and to me he's still one of my best friends for life so that's always there. And, right. Yeah. Right. I um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's grown into what it is and what's happened is since then there's been a transition that we've been lucky enough that people have accepted Almost God so we've been able to build our team around it. Right. And I think that's, that's super important. It's right? the yeah. most important thing. I mean, it's taken us... You can't us, do it all alone. No. Yeah. As, as much as you're like those, those days where you're upset with everyone and you're like, fuck this, like I'll do this, you can't. And the value that everyone has brought to it has really taken it from you know, where it was to where it's going to be even right. more so. So, I, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm overly optimistic and hopeful perpetually as a person. Mm-hmm. I see that. Yeah. I think I see that. Yeah. I, I think you see the silver lining. Always. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, I'm so excited for whatever is coming next with this as well. Pretty cool. So, yeah, two years it's been, right? Like, two, two and a half years now. So, March 2018. Two, two and a half years. Launched. True. Yeah. In almost at the end of 2020, which is fucked. Yeah. Yeah. So, how did Soul Eats be and and how was that experience? Because like, I think is is that one of the major festivals that you've been at, or you've also done other stuff in the states, or or like how was that? How was that experience? So uh, we launched at AG Street, 
someone from Heisenbite, he was there, we had the soul people there, we had a lot of people come and interact with us at a time when we didn't know what soul was, we didn't know yeah. who these people were. Um, we had Raja Kumari come in and buy things and at that time I was like, I don't know who this person is. You know, and I saw her perform that night and I was like, God damn. <laughs> you know? Um, so, we, the people from Seoul contacted us right after Homegrown. Mm-hmm. We were the youngest brand there. They gave us space right next to Dior and Concepts. Right. And so, you know, kids we flew out. I had my friends from Dubai because, we, again, States gives you access and gives right. you friends everywhere. So my friends from Dubai came in. Uh, and it was awesome. Uh, we painted the stores ourselves. We created 3D models for the yeah, first time. Uh, and to be stacked in that area, it was just the wildest experience because, I mean, literally Dior and Concepts. And then Almost Gods. And, almost gods. Right. and so our store got shut down by Kanye's production team. We had them roll through, cop a bunch of our stuff. We had Danny Lay come in, who is so pretty. I hugged her. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, I think this is a, a podcast to find Groove's match uh, for, for life. Correct. So guys, um, please look at this beautiful yeah. face. Um, he's currently looking for a girlfriend. Uh, just hit him up with offers. True. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Can I upload this to Hinge? Does Hinge <laughs> take podcasts? Hi, guys. <laughs> But yeah, so, so yeah, you're next to like all of these people yeah. and, um, and all of these people walk and I think Soul DXP as an experience is fabulous. So right? Like what they nice. do, the entire team is super helpful, super organized. Oh, it's crazy. And we got into like this Gucci after party which like we snuck our way in. Yeah. We had ASAP Rocky come through. Um, like he he just literally called them, called Soul up like 10 minutes before. He's like, I'm, I'm in Dubai, I'm coming through. I mean, just as an experience to have someone like that walk in and perform. Right. Unreal, you know, um, and we all were dead, we were exhausted, but just, just that vibe and that world, right. it, I mean, it, I loved it. Does it does get hot. Like oh, it gets so hot. Uh, it gets so hot. And, and I, then you have to walk like... I was wearing this, dude. I was walking on Seoul wearing the red oh, hoodie man. in Dubai heat. Oh, man. And the next day I was wearing the long jacket and the shorts. I mean, I was sweltering. This is, this is what Delhi prepared me for. Yeah. You know, this is my training in Delhi, my 50 degrees Celsius. I was like, this is what... I've been preparing for. So, so you did so, and then, interesting, like that's, because the experience in terms of, you know, you don't, like, of course you were hoping that people from other cultures accept your idea. Yeah. Because that's what, you know, you also want to grow the business and you want to grow numbers and you want to make sure you're as globally available as possible. But then the actual experience of seeing people accept your ideas is... There's nothing, there's nothing better than that. You know, it's not only accepting ideas, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting to say because you also see people reject your ideas. Of course. Right? And uh, me being the artist, me being the creator of a lot of these things, it's like I wear my heart on my sleeve. Being in that position, I hate being in my stores, like even for my other retail brand of this. I hate being in the store sometimes when sales are happening because I see people walk in and people are brutally honest. Like they'll walk in and go, this is fucking stupid and walk out. Or be like, oh, I love this thing and interacted with it for 20 minutes. And these emotional swings that happen within the span of like 30 minutes, which like Kendrick has a song called Fragile. And he just goes, uh, I mean, he has this whole thing about like how artists are fragile. And it's just, 
god damn man people are judging you and they don't even acknowledge that they're judging you and i do it myself to other people you know yeah. i walk into stores unconsciously yeah. yeah it's it's human when you when you do it you just don't think like it's a big deal but absolutely but when you're on the other side of it right here oh man there was this period in seoul uh, i think the first day the first like 3 4 hours we hadn't sold enough i was just so upset and i remember i was like kobe you take the stall like kobe was handling the marketing but the clothes were mine so the rejection almost felt personal right and i walked off to the taco stand and i see divine and rajakumari there start hanging out with them and i was like next stall pe wapas nahi ja raha and then kobe called me like where the fuck are you and i was like why he goes there are people in the stall and i just remember like running back there and we sold we sold out on this in dubai i mean to me it was like dubai heat who's going to wear but every woman who had a burqa on wanted this right which i was like this is the coolest like what a interesting cool thing yeah. yeah so i don't think you planned that but we didn't plan it yeah. at all we had to ship extra pieces from here from delhi to dubai i mean it was awesome i i i loved it like i'm so excited i'm hoping that corona settles down and we can do soul again because i've been talking yeah. to san and just oh we need to go back yeah yeah, yeah for us like uh, i i agree i think even if you're not even if you're not presenting there i would just love to go to seoul just because i love the team i love the work that they do and i love how they've set this out in the middle of the desert just like oh unreal it's, it's fabulous it's like so d3 cool. and all of that yes. it's so good yeah d3 d3 the white design is yes. like, yeah uh, this too good okay uh, what's segueing into some like personal stories what's the craziest fucking story you almost got like what what is what is that you got into and be like can't believe this fucking happened like like i i can't believe i was like me starting this brand would lead to me being here or at this point in this day yeah. so like what's the one st- maybe not one but a couple but like what's the one that like really stands out and you're like fuck can't believe this um so i'm not going to touch on like the crazy things that have happened with it because i can touch on a few <laughs> uh <laughs> I mean it starts with little small things with um, you know I'll, I'll I'll hit three I'll hit the degenerate I'll hit the inspirational and I'll hit my personally satisfying mm-hmm. uh, let's let's go with the inspirational first cuz first PG family friendly um, I was at this party and I was talking to this lady who's an interviewer at a university and she, I told her what I did she goes holy shit you do almost got and I said yeah and she goes uh, I was interviewing a kid and i asked him uh, what's a brand that inspires you and the kid talked about almost gods in his college interview which to me was just i mean i i was uh, that i was like mera kaam ho gaya you know um so that to me was it was a small moment but it was an insanely powerful moment that i think i feed off to this day um a degenerate a degenerate moment would be uh, Our, our business cards, which I'll send you a photo of, because if they're not here, right. we have we have fairly interesting business cards, so people tend to take Remember those. Yeah. 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 Um, so we've had people sell our business cards on eBay. <laughs> Shruti. <laughs> Shruti from Space Biscuit is um, my favorite person in the world and is absolutely just insane. Oh. She has done the weirdest things with all these cards. Show me the screenshot. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. So, uh, but what's weird things have happened where people have sent us Insta DMs, just cutting coke with our good business cards, which you know, hmm. honestly, <laughs> sure, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Content. 
Um, Almost God. Yeah. <laughs> if that's the energy we're getting, dude, I'm there, you know. Yeah. Um, and then I would say for me personally, the most satisfying thing was so Snell, who's become a friend of the brand. He's Kanye's engineer on. Uh, he did the Life of Pablo. He's worked on. Um, he's working on Tiana Taylor's new album. He's working with J Balvin. And he's someone that we like really see as someone who's extending and representing the brand in a very big way in America. Mm-hmm. And I love that that connection sort of has become so strong over the last right. year and a half. Uh, he, like I'm talking to him and he's like sending me Instagram in the studio and it's him and like Kanye chilling on him and Baldwin chilling. And he's making music wearing the yellow hoodie. He's making music wearing the last upper jacket. So it became almost cyclical to be like that music inspired me to do this. Right. But like that somehow and seeping that energy back, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So f- just to see that is the day he rolled through in the close-on store. Uh, that night, me and Kobe closed the store. We pulled up a curtain and we like threw on graduation, and we just danced like maniacs in the store. Just ran around a little table and we we're just like pumping, and it was the most satisfying thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so three big things to me personally that meant a lot. Interesting. Including the cocaine thing. <laughs> so I think this is a little more into you know a personal experience for you yeah. uh, while doing this because it's not an easy work, right? Like as much as from the outside it looks all fucking like glamorous and yeah. it's fun and you know because I think digital media has made us all a little you know um, like the outside the outside perception of things is everything's rosy and things are great, but. The internal part is you're struggling every day, right? Yeah. Like you're fucking going loggerheads with your designs, with your marketing, with n number of things that are happening while you're running a company. Like some customers, like I'm sending your stuff back, and like you know, all of that stuff happens. Sure. So, just from just coming from that, mm-hmm. what is one thing that you would wanna, you know, what is one piece of advice that you would wanna give to your previous self? Two years ago, uh, which mm. which you just like, and so this is something more also towards, um, you know, like young designers who are starting out, yeah. or someone who's just starting to build a brand. Mm. Uh, something if they heard this, they'd be like, okay, great. I think that's that's something I should cling on to. But also for yourself, right? Like, what what would you want to tell yourself two and a half years ago when you're starting out? Uh, just literally like sure. no no like not an epilogue just one single piece of advice don't do this or do this sure um, so I can split that in two halves mm-hmm. I can say one is a business and then one is a designer right um, so having while I got my first art in business when I was 16 my first you know I would say brand that wasn't so self-contained was Batchpack which is my brand out of Southeast Asia right um, and there's something that Elon Musk said, which I saw retrospectively, which I wish I'd seen earlier, but I'm, I'm actually not sure if I should have. Um, he said that being an entrepreneur is like eating broken glass every day and staring into the abyss. <laughs> and it is, because every day is the worst day and the best day. You're connected to every, you know, it's almost like you're the center of an organism and every little thread at any direction pulls directly at you. So someone's personal problems come to you, but also financial problems come to you, um, retail problems come to you, design come, and so everything, uh, and you lose yourself in that. So 
yeah it takes a while to you know to really be sure that this is the world you want and you really need to be at some level made of fucking stone mm-hmm. to take that to also take those decisions to take those but but something you grow into so it's a it's almost a tug of war to say that this is something that innately i want to do but when i'm in it like holy shit i need to hold on for dear life and like do this to the best ability mm-hmm. i can so i i don't know how helpful that is to any business person or anyone who ever wants to do something in the world of entrepreneurship but it's something that i think is very true mm-hmm. which i think you can attest to as well no i agree yeah? i i i definitely think there's you know um it's it's like if you're doing this to make a lot of money yeah it's not going to work no not anymore if you're doing this if anything right like if you're starting a company or a business yeah just thinking that you're going to get rich very quickly very soon problem that you also feel responsible for because they're working with you sure. and then on the other side your suppliers are calling every day saying like present fucking payment but with all this depressing shit and i'm on the same page as you like it's it's you can't sleep exactly like i can't sleep but i can't sleep in the best way possible because i'm waking up at 5 in the morning to take notes on my phone to be like shit you know this is what i should do or what i shouldn't do and i'm or i'm scared about something yeah 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 but i'm happy that, about that constantly fear, right? like that fear it has the ability to paralyze you yes so it's just about taking that one step forward from that fear cuz the moment like when you're not taking that decision mm-hmm. which you should have is when you know you're letting something 100% go and yeah. it's going to come around circle you and bite you in the ass yeah so so just like take those decisions. right like 100% you can make the clean break don't let it hanging bilkul it's like a breakup right i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so um your personal philosophy right like how does this lead into the brand and how also is there a vice versa is like is the brand have an identity of its own that kind of also bleeds into you or how like cuz i know you're like this almost militaristic style of person like you wake up at 5 in the morning you're 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 off to bed at 9 and all of that stuff so like how does this lead into well, not 9 i mean that thumb me cool uh debate <laughs> i drink beer <laughs> um debate <laughs> thanks no, i'm just kidding um no i i almost got this still in its infancy so at this point with even with people coming in i am almost got you know mm-hmm. it's it's one in the same and it's what's felt like this power like when you said that i am almost got yeah is like see aren't you missing that camera right now <laughs> <laughs> i can do that right there for you and i am almost got <laughs> thanos Um this guy comes in with a red fucking hoodie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone got red hoodies on them globally. <laughs> um No, it's it's one and the same and I think I there's a respect for structure but there's a respect for culture and there's a understanding there's a confluence of the two and the two aren't separate from one another. Mm-hmm. I appreciate regimes and I appreciate 
that things have to work in systems. And I think that there are a lot of systems that have been set up globally that do work well. But I also feel there are systems that aren't, that can be restructured for the modern day because right. post-2007, every kind of thing we took as a given has been blown up and 2020 has just accelerated that process even right. more so. So, uh, Almost Gods, Almost Gods directly ties into me. However, again, egotistical it is to say that. But... But does it also affect your personality? Like I'm discovering myself through the brand, constantly. I, I, I'll make a design decision, I'll make... Um, the marketing team comes up with something that impacts me, mm -hmm. and I'll be like, why is this impacting me more than anything else? Right. We're talking about now, finally, that you know we've got this physical presence in Delhi. This right. has been the biggest... Like I can't tell you how excited everyone is, because finally we've got a space to start doing things in our community. Right. You know, Dubai Hogya. Uh, we've we've been lucky enough to do Nordstroms in New York. We've done um, we've done pop-ups in Southeast Asia, but this is home, you know. And everything needs to start here and start properly. And Corona has sort of given us a chance to really sit back and be like, this is the scope of things we can do, and it's so much bigger. Right. So the last few months has been so much learning, so much thinking, so much introspection, both as a brand and as Dhruv. So it's very cool and very exciting. For sure, I think I think uh, for for people like us who've been able to kind of be safe, sit at home, yeah, you know, think about things like business continuity and so on and so forth. I think that's privileged. It absolutely. Uh, and for us, I think it's been a very um, introspective time, and it's also it's been tough in in phases, right? Like because you start questioning everything in your head, um, yeah. and you start thinking about why. Like, you know, why, why am I in this position and what is happening and why can't we step out of the house and so on and so forth. But it also, like, it's also led to a lot of self-discovery yeah. for a lot of people. I'm, I'm good at this. I'm terrible at this. True. I should, I could have done this better and so on and so forth. 100%. So I think six months of just everyone getting, you know, to a point where, of course, driving themselves crazy, but also coming to a point where they're accepting a lot of things about themselves. True. Introspective. Um, and it, it's been tough, but it's also been an eye-opener. 100%. No, may, maybe, like, long run, this turns out to be the best thing, where humans just tend to become happier, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you, hopefully everyone has kind of stumbled onto something to be like, this is something that gives me true joy, and this is something I'm happy to cut out. Right. And, uh, you know, it's, I was reading somewhere, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, now that I think of it, uh, he said that industries were built for profit, but now industries have to be restructured for happiness, which, which I think is so true because we, I, we've hit base level profit and everything, you know? We can make money on things. You can sell rocks today and make money. You can sell, if you're smart enough, you can sell the stupidest thing. Mm -hmm. But now the question becomes that how do you create something of value that provides happiness to the people around you, that provides value to people around you, that improves their lives, but also improves your life. You don't have to chase money anymore. Right. And I say this out of a place of privilege, I recognize that, but also I hope that, that extends beyond that at a certain level. When, when we told you, okay, we're starting this fucking space, and like, what are your thoughts on it now that you've seen it come to life? Yeah. And, and you know, uh, what are your thoughts, like, of course, coming on board here, um, did you have any second thoughts? 
uh, we'll be like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what this is about. Or, and, and also now that, now that we're here, um, tell us a little bit more about the Almost God space that you built, like the idea behind it. Because I think a lot, even for us, and because everything happened in like the space of a week and we yep. were all zoned out into like <laughs> n number of things that we were trying to finish up. But yep. um, just tell us a little bit more about you coming on board um, and then the space that we were for sure. Um, I think FTC from the moment, like uh, we grabbed beers uh, at Summer House, it was, it was almost a sense of possibility. Right. It was a sense of excitement. Then to come here and see the space. And, you know, it's in a neighborhood where you wouldn't expect it to be, which I think makes it almost more exciting. It's like a sense of discovery and a sense of stumbling onto it. And as I've seen this place progress, and I mean, work has been going on here for a while, but Corona made cause its problems. Right. But I've seen this place really develop over months from like literally girder rods being here to all of this being built. Yeah. It's been so exciting. I mean, the night before that, oh God, dude. The firstly, the, the energy of every brand being in here, right. it was the greatest thing because we have our WhatsApp chats, right? right? We have a group chat. We do the Google Meet and all of that. All of that. But to have everyone together and people who are on a similar journey as you, people who are talking about the same thing, who care about very similar things as you. Right. Man, I, I mean, personally, I was so happy to see Jay, Shruti, you know, the TOEFL team. Like, everyone's, like, coming in confluence. Like, I've ne never met the model science right. kids. Like, not can't call them kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I call everyone kids. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, just this space. So... That energy and then contrasted with everyone was pushing to get this place ready. Right. And your team, holy shit, dude. Like, t kudos. Honestly, like, I keep saying this and I, I don't think the strongest asset you guys have is your team. Amber. it's... I've told my team this. I was like, be like them. <laughs> <laughs> but the work that everyone was putting in and there was ownership in everyone and there was care, it was, it was awesome. So to me now where FTC stands, it's, it's, it's so exciting because for us, our, our studio is 10 minutes away from here. Right. You know, we, we can get in a car, come here, set up and really start doing some incredible things. Right. Everything that we've had penting up in our head. Right. All of those things that you're like, where do we do this? Correct. Is where this space is. Exactly. And for sure, I get that. And about the about the point that you made about our team, I don't think we'd be here today. Yeah. Um, Apni and I, we'd be here today doing what we're doing if we didn't, if we weren't lucky enough to find the right people and then to be able to have them on board. Yeah. Because uh, at the end of the day, what we do is we ideate, right? Like we ideate and then we conceptualize and then we create a roadmap. The actual execution. We can't do all of it by ourselves. Of course. Uh, the actual building of this, I like that's something I personally handled because I knew if you I lived didn't do here, it, <laughs> you lived here for months. Yeah, like I, if I knew if I didn't do it myself, I wouldn't be happy with the final outcome. There's a secret hole in the wall. Number <laughs> hides his clothes. Yeah, and that's, that's what I think. That's what I think. Shah yeah. and, and, uh, his girlfriend finds it a bit cramped, but it's fine. Sorry, we're finding him a girlfriend as well. Double Hinge Profile Podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck no. <laughs> no. Um, you're too artsy. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, 
So yeah, the, like we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the team. For yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I, I think this is for the team to know that. Because I, I mean, we say it of course, but at times it's better to leave today. My favorite thing about Amber is like, I think there's so many layers to him and he keeps opening up very slowly. <laughs> when I first met him, I was like a, not hard, but like, there was a front. Right. And then slowly to get to know him, he's an emotional, he's so emotional. And to see him drunk is one of the most fun things in the world. To see him drunk and dance is <laughs> yeah, awesome. I, I, I bring the moves up. Yeah, and then to see you like this, like, like I, honestly, like, I've really, really fucking grown to appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, so last question, and then we're going to wrap this up. Cool. Um, and it's going to circle back to that question. What is one thing you want to tell a new designer to not do? Oh. And what is one thing you should tell them that you wish you'd done that they can incorporate if they want? Um, Someone starting a brand, any brand for that matter. What should a designer not do? Yeah. Well, I'm going to like double negative this and be like, um, if the fact that you can sleep every day and not wake up at 3am thinking about the shit like if you're not that into it then don't do it because there are enough people who are so crazy about what they're doing and who love this and who are just perpetually thinking about this and want to create some kind of leave a cultural footprint in right. this world if you're not those people then don't do it because you'll get swallowed alive mm -hmm. um, and at the same time to know that you come in and you will find a community here. There will be people who understand your language, your, your, your vernacular, your design language, your understanding. There are people who will see where you're coming from. So to do it almost without fear and to do it because there is a broader community both in the customers and the, that community and as well as the brands who will learn to accept you. Uh, it's... It's really, I think it's the one place that I, I love this world because what other place would someone sit in an interview and I, get, I can wear a 656 hat, I can rap almost gods, I can have Asics and Adidas on the, Adidas on the wall and it's, it's, it's so many things but there's an acceptance and there's, a, there's also love, right? Appreciation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is my hinge. <laughs> um, so there is that waiting for you. So there is a lot of strength to be found in this world, in this community. But also, don't do it unless you're willing to go balls to the wall with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is one thing you wish you had done? And this is just something like a sure. you know when you retrospectively look back and you're like. I wish you could have done more with this. Yeah. And, but like, so what is that? Uh, so this is not going to be a big thing, it's going to be a very dumb thing. When Almost Got started, we... It was never meant to be a brand. It was never. It was meant to be a project, a uh, sense of expression between two kids to be like, this is something fun, something that we care about, something we want to be involved in. <laughs> so uh, we used to do this really dumb thing where we used to delete our Instagram followers. <laughs> We deleted four, five, six thousand followers over the last few years, which no anyone we didn't find cool enough, we would delete. What do you mean by that? What do you mean cool enough? We were children, to be <laughs> fair, when we started this. This three years, a millennia ago. Yeah, guys, don't don't delete your Instagram. Don't delete followers. Instagram followers. Please. We we would open followers. We would study their profiles and be like, are they cool enough to be 
falling on my skirts. And, and if, you, if and the I think answer was no, then you would just we, like we, we would delete people. So if anyone who made it through that cut, congratulations. But I think with that, we, we grew out of it to realize that that's when it became a business, that that's not how a business works. Yeah. And if you want to truly grow a community, it needs to be bigger and more accepting than that. Inclusive. Yes. Uh, inclusive is a, is a word. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah. So, yeah, last piece of advice from Almost Do uh, is to not delete your Instagram followers and make sure you keep growing. Correct. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank, uh, uh, actually, maybe one more question. Um, so, I see you live in Dr. Martin. Now. I do. Uh, if Almost if Almost God had to do a foot by collaboration, would it be with Dr. Martin? Uh, so... Because then, like, we, we make sure we tag them somewhere and be like... Hey, oh, really? Yeah. I was going to name three brands, so then I'll Please just... go for it. You know, if you can get me Dr. Martin's, I'll say Dr. Martin's only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I would say I have three brands in the world of footwear that I would love to collaborate with. I hope this doesn't come back to bite me in my ass. <coughs> Nike, because Nike is the cultural center of the world. And when you've done Nike, you've, you've made it at some level. Mm -hmm. Number two would be Comme des Garçons. If I could get a, anything with Comme des Garçons. I mean, Ray Kawakubo is a hero of mine. So there are brands I look up to, uh, which include Gentle Monster, Doublet, Bodhi. But the, the designer, the, the monster that I think created this world that we live in, yeah. who created someone like Kanye, who's defined an aesthetic of our generation, right. is Rika Vakubo. And she's about to die, so I'm terrified, but... Man, I would love to just have something in the realm of almost God's ex Komdegaso. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like you said, I live in my Dr. Martens. My best friend got me these from the States in right. Jan, and I think from Jan to now, I have only worn these about three, four, five days. When I've worn other sneakers. What? What? What love, like, non-corona, non non-lockdown days. And what I love about this brand is the idea of workmanship. It's the idea of storytelling. Dr. Martens hasn't evolved in its ethos much in the last 150 years and they create these incredible quality products which I feel smarter for wearing these, I feel better about myself for wearing these they, they, work they, last, this, they last forever uh, it's, a, it's a cultural identity that I associate with myself for wearing these so mm -hmm. I, I this, Comdegasso, Nike those were the three brands that I would love to do something with perfect, so if anyone from those brands ever watches this, please, please reach out to Almost Group and do an Almost collaboration. Do a collaboration. <laughs> almost collaboration. <laughs> Alright, I think that's it. Uh, we got a lot of great content. Uh, thank you for taking the time, bro. Of course. And I'm sorry for being late. You're fine. Not acceptable. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, especially for someone whose grandfather is in the military. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you, thank you it's so awesome. much, bro. Thank you, I really appreciate it.